Welcome to the Message to Kings podcast, where we tell the complete history. This is your host, Brett Heaston, Episode 7, Isaac, the Suffering Servant. Abraham had his treasured son. He passed God's test and stood his ground in a world that challenged his beliefs. He received and believed the promises of God. His son Isaac would live a different life, a life of a servant, but also one who suffered and made peace. He is commonly referred to as a suffering servant. He made peace and refused to go to war. He had the authority of heaven behind him, but he didn't call upon it. He constantly moved away from harm and danger into safer pastures. Isaac was the only biblical patriarch whose name was not changed. He's the only one who didn't leave Canaan. Compared to those of Abraham and Jacob, Isaac's story has fewer incidents in his life. He died when he was 180 years old, and he lived the longest of the patriarchs. His childhood had to have been terrifying, but wonderfully symbolic. We didn't speak of the following last week, which is Abraham's greatest trial, which will conclude this week into the life of Isaac. This deed that I'm about to read is why Abraham is counted so worthy in God's eyes. Genesis 22. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Early in the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. And on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar, on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand, took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, The Lord Will Provide. And to this day it is said, On the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will make take possession of the cities of your enemies 
and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed, because you have obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servants, and they set off together for Beersheba, and Abraham stayed in Beersheba. So it's not very practical at all for us to understand this in our culture. But Abraham passed the ultimate test. Would he sacrifice his own son for future generations? This arises us at the spiritual concept. There was a father that did allow his son to be sacrificed for future generations. This was Father God in heaven and his only son, Jesus this scene is a type and picture of what God would do to redeem mankind at the cross at Calvary. All through the Bible, God emphasizes his points with similar parallel events. Most scholars agree the mount where he nearly killed Isaac was near Jerusalem, where Jesus would die for mankind to atone for sin. Isaac, the suffering servant, all through his life was a type and shadow of Jesus. A type is a person or thing that prefigures the greater reality in the New Testament. A shadow is a lesser reality, a reflection from the actual figure or fulfillment in the New Testament. The Bible is full of types and shadows which emphasize characters and point to a greater creator. Here are a few parallels in this story. Both Isaac and Jesus were offered in sacrifice. The sacrifice was offered in the land of Moriah, which would be Jerusalem. Both of the sons carried the wood for the sacrifice. And both of them were bound and placed on top of the wood. One of the purposes of this emphasis is to reveal that Jesus is the central figure of all of history. Everything points to him, whether we understand it or not. He is hidden all through the Old Testament. Here are a few examples. When Moses commands the Hebrews to put the blood of the lamb on their doorpost to escape judgment, this also refers to the future lamb of God, which is Jesus. Other symbolism points to Jesus as a lion. He came first as a lamb to atone for sins. He will come again as a lion and a warrior, and a judge of the peoples, which David symbolized as king. I will conclude this podcast with a list of all the ways that Jesus is hidden in all the books of the Old Testament. Before we advance in the long life, but not so documented life of Isaac, it's important to note Sarah drops from history soon after this scene. Jewish tradition is mingled. But one of the accounts is she suspects Abraham will do something foolish like sacrifice her own son. And she chases after him, only to be overcome with her sorrow at the thought of Abraham possibly killing Isaac, that she dies of sorrow on the way. Interesting, but we do know that she does die soon after, and he buries her. After Sarah dies, Abraham does marry again. And he has many more children. On to Isaac. Abraham sent his servant, Eliezer, to get a wife for Isaac from Haran. And he found Rebekah to be Isaac's wife. And they have two children, Jacob and Esau, which we'll discuss in the next podcast.
Genesis 26. Now there was a famine in the land, besides the previous famine in Abraham's time. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you to live. Stay in this land for a while, and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and your descendants I will give all these lands and will confirm the oath I swore to your father Abraham. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I give them all of these lands. And through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed, because Abraham obeyed me and did everything I required of him, keeping my commands, my decrees, and my instructions. So Isaac stayed in Gerar. When the men of that place asked him about his wife, he said, She is my sister, because he was afraid to say she is my wife. He thought the men of this place might kill me on account of Rebekah, because she is beautiful. When Isaac had been there a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked down from a window and saw Isaac caressing his wife. So Abimelech summoned Isaac and said, She is really your wife. Why did you say she is my sister? Isaac answered him, Because I thought I might lose my life on account of her. Then Abimelech said, What is this that you have done this to us? One of the men might well have done something to your wife and brought guilt upon us. So Abimelech gave orders to all the people, Anyone who harms this man or his wife shall be put to death. Isaac planted crops in that land, and the same year reaped a hundredfold, because the Lord blessed him. The man became rich, and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. He also had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines envied him. So all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the time of his father Abraham, the Philistines stopped up, filling them with earth. Then Abimelech said to Isaac, Move away from us. You have become too powerful for us. So Isaac moved away from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar, where he settled. Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died, and he gave them the same names his father had given them. Isaac's servants dug in the valley and discovered a well of fresh water there. But the herders of Gerar quarreled with those of Isaac and said, The water is ours. So he named the well Esek, because they disputed with them. Then they dug another well, but they quarreled over that one also, so they named it Sitna. He moved on from there and dug another well, and no one quarreled over it. He named it Rehoboth, saying, Now the Lord has given us room, and we will flourish in the land. From there he went to Beersheba. That night the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bless you, and I will increase the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. Isaac built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord. There he pitched his tent, and there his servants dug a well. Meanwhile, Abimelech had come to him from Gerar with Ahuzath, his personal advisor, and Fickel, the commander of his forces. Isaac asked him, Why have you come to me since you were hostile to me and sent me away? They answered, We saw clearly that the Lord was with you, so we said, There ought to be a sworn agreement between us, between us and you. Let us make a treaty with you, and you will do us no harm, just as we did not harm you, but always treated you well and sent you away peacefully, and now you are blessed by the Lord. Isaac then made a feast for them, and they ate and drank. Early the next morning the men swore an oath to each other. Then Isaac sent them on their way, and they went away peacefully. 
That day Isaac's servants came and told him about the well they had dug. They said, We found water. We called it Sheba. And to this day the name of the town has been Beersheba. To summarize, Isaac had to flee because of a famine. And he dug a well, which was called Strife. And he dug another well, which is called Contention. And each time he was kicked away from an area by the people that lived near there. And he dug a third well, which is interpreted to broad places. Had to leave that area, goes to Beersheba, the place where his father has history. And he digs a fourth well. And this is the place where he has the peace treaty with Abimelech. And it's interpreted in many ways, but the fourth well means oath or covenant. After four wells, Isaac had found prosperity and peace in the land. To conclude this message to kings, uh, we must talk about Jesus. Isaac represents Jesus through his life, the suffering servant. Jesus came as a lamb to be that sacrifice for man, to atone for sin, to correct the wrongs, to connect us with God, to fix all the hurt in the world. And I said before that Jesus was, is, was and is hidden in the Bible. In Genesis, he is the seed of the woman. In Exodus, he is the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he is the high priest. In Numbers, he is the cloud and the fire. In Deuteronomy, he is the prophet like Moses. In Joshua, he is the captain of our salvation. In Judges, the judge and the lawgiver. In Ruth, the kinsman redeemer. In Samuel, the prophet of the Lord. In Kings and Chronicles, the reigning king. In Ezra, the faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, the rebuilder of the walls. In Esther, the counselor. In Job, the dayspring from on high. In Psalms, the Lord who is our shepherd. In Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, the wisdom of God. In Song of Solomon, the lover and bridegroom. In Isaiah, the suffering servant. In Jeremiah and Lamentations, the weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, the son of man. In Daniel, the son of man coming in the clouds of heaven. In Hosea, the bridegroom. In Joel, the baptizer with the Holy Spirit. In Amos, the burden bearer. In Obadiah, the mighty savior. In Jonah, the forgiving God. In Micah, the messenger with beautiful feet. In Nahum, the avenger of God's elect. In Habakkuk, the greatest evangelist crying for revival. In Zephaniah, the restorer of the remnant. In Haggai, the cleansing fountain. In Zechariah, the pure son. In Malachi, the son of righteousness. In Matthew, the Messiah. In Mark, the miracle worker. In Luke, the son of man. In John, the son of God. In Acts, the ascending Lord. In Romans, the justifier. In Corinthians, the last Adam. In Galatians, the one who sets us free. In Ephesians, the Christ of riches. In Philippians, the God who meets our every need. In Colossians, the fullness of the Godhead. In Thessalonians, the soon coming king. In Timothy, the mediator between God and man. In Titus, the blessed hope. In Philemon, the friend closer than a brother. In Hebrews, the blood that washed away my sins. In James, the great physician. In Peter, the chief shepherd and John, everlasting love and Jude, the God, our Savior and Revelation, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end.
I hope you enjoyed this episode of Message to Kings. If you enjoyed this podcast, please recommend a friend, subscribe to the podcast. Um, if you have any questions or if you want to chat, you can find the Facebook page, Message to Kings Podcast, or you can email me at message to kings at gmail.com.